I want to invite all the children who are at home to move a little closer to your screens. And I want to greet those of you who are here this morning. It's so good to see you. And I know you're smiling behind those masks. Welcome. Glad to see all of you this morning. Names are really important. All of us have a name that our parents gave us when we were born. But sometimes we get nicknames or we get different names as we grow up. My older brother, when I was born, couldn't say Carol, and so he called me Kiwa. And so in my family and some of my cousins, too, call me Kiwa sometimes. But I have some other names, too. Here's my church name tag. This has my full name, Carol Cavan Dillon. And then I have this face mask that Katie Minnis helped get for us, and it says West End Pastor. So some people call me Pastor Carol. Over here is one of the prayer stations that some people are going to come and visit later this afternoon, and it's inviting them, whoever comes by, to think about some of the names that you go, go by and why those names are important and who calls you that name and what it means to you. I think my very favorite name, though, is on this hat that someone from the church gave me. It says, I'm a child of God. So my very most important name is child of God. And you know what? We all have that name. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, We thank you for our names and what they mean in our families, in our circles of friends, in our church, for all those special nicknames that people give us that make us smile and make us feel special. But most of all, we thank you that you call us by name and that each and every one of us is your child. Help us love you as much as you love us In Jesus' name, amen. Names are really important. They're particularly important in the Bible. Over and over again, we see God giving people new names. We see Jesus changing Simon's name to Peter. And usually with that new name comes a new purpose. And that's what happens in the story today. God gives Abram and Sarah new names. God calls them Abraham and Sarah instead of Abram and Sarai. With that changing of names comes a unique and new kind of relationship and a new purpose. The name Abram means exalted ancestor. The name Abraham means ancestor of multitudes. So God is saying in this new covenant with Abraham that Abraham's name is reflecting his new purpose. He will be the father of many, many nations. We know a little less about Sarah's name and what the original name meant. The name Sarah means princess. So one thought is that Sarai is an archaic version of the name Sarah, And so by changing her name to Sarah, perhaps God is is bringing her into a new future, 
giving her a name that will be accessible beyond her small family, her small tribe, to many, many nations. So it's a moment of name changing. And it's a moment that solidifies God's special relationship with Abraham and Sarah. As I was sharing with the children, sometimes we get names that are given to us by our families or by particular groups of friends that point to a very special relationship. Yesterday, David and I spent a little bit of time with his two sisters, socially distanced outside, wearing our masks, just having a visit together. Anne Elizabeth and Laura are their names, but they're better known in the family as Ming and Ya. And I knew that I was included in the family when I got to start calling them Ming and Ya. And now our kids call them Auntie Ming and Auntie Ya. I think the origin of their names comes from when they were really little and they couldn't pronounce each other's names very well, or there's probably a bigger story there that they would be too embarrassed for me to tell in front of everybody. But in their family, Anne Elizabeth is Ming and Laura is Ya. Nobody in the working world calls them that. It's particular to that relationship. And that's sort of what we see happening in this story between God and Abraham and Sarah. God is giving them new names as a sign of this covenant with them. They now have a unique and special relationship with God. They have a new name and a new purpose. And one of the things I noticed about this story was that it happens when Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 90. Even at this point in their lives, God does something new with them. They get a new purpose and a new name and are put on a new path. And that says to me, we are never too old. We are never too stuck in our ways to be changed by God and to be invited to do something new with God and to learn something new about ourselves and about God. The truth is, my plan had been really to to dig into that in the sermon this morning, to think about how God invites us to stay open, to be changed by God and renamed and repurposed, no matter how long we've held our previous ideas about who we are and about who God is. But then I read a commentary that pointed something out to me that I'd never before noticed in this story. Not only do Abraham and Sarah get new names, But God gets a new name. For the very first time in all of scripture, God says, my name is God Almighty, El Shaddai. That name has never appeared before in the scriptures. It's as if God is saying to Abraham and Sarah, you call me El Shaddai. This is a special name for Abraham and Sarah. In fact, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 2, God says to Moses, El Shaddai is the name that I gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's as if this is a particular nickname that God wants Abraham and Sarah's descendants to use. It points to a special, intimate kind of relationship. This is the fourth name for God that's already appeared in Genesis. 
We have Elohim in the creation story, Yahweh in chapter 4, and then in chapter 16, Hagar, who had been enslaved by Abraham and Sarah, is in the wilderness alone by herself. God comes to her and she names God. She gives God her own special name, Elroy. There's so much to unpack in this one fact in this story that God is a God of many names. And that God's name can be special depending on the relationship. There's no one name that captures all of who God is and that locks God down for all time. In fact, perhaps the most powerful and well-known story we have about God's name is God's conversation with Moses. When God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and Moses says, tell me your name. You know what God says. I am who I am. Or even more, I will be who I will be. God is not a God who will be contained by one name, one title, one group, one moment in history. God will be who God will be. And yet at the same time, God offers God's self in loving, intimate relationship. We see that in this moment with Abraham and Sarah. Call me El Shaddai. To you, I will be El Shaddai. I will be your God and you will be my people. And we will have this special covenant together so that you will be a blessing that will bless all the nations of the earth. So God, in some ways, refuses to be fully named and contained, and yet is also willing to be named in loving relationship with us. So what names do you use for God? We see Jesus in the New Testament most often calling God Father, Abba, which is a name like Dad or Daddy, showing this intimate, loving relationship between Jesus and God. And when Jesus prays, it is most often to Father. And that is the name and a title for God that works for so many of us, that conjures up that intimate, loving, safe relationship that we long for with God. But that's also a name that doesn't work for everyone for various reasons. And each of us goes and seeks out that name for God that speaks to the intimacy, the love, the safety, the vastness of God. Whatever name comes most frequently from our lips in prayer to God, this story also reminds us that we must have the humility to know it's not God's only name. And we're not the only ones who own this name for God. That God is a God of many names. God will be who God will be. So that even in our old age, we give God the freedom to stretch our understanding of who God is, to change us and give us new purpose and new names. I was thinking this week about a group of women who sat on the second pew at Hobson United Methodist Church. 
When I was first in ministry working at Brentwood United Methodist Church, we had a partnership with Hobson. Hobson was in East Nashville, and this was a time when East Nashville was not thriving as it is today. Back in the 50s, Hobson had been a church that had 1,000 people in worship. It was a predominantly white area, a very affluent area of town. And over the years, because of so many policies and segregation, the neighborhood had changed and there was more and more poverty and more and more racial diversity. And so a lot of the members had left, moved to the suburbs, and the church had nearly died. It had dwindled down to about 13 people. And there were three or four older women who stayed at the church and stayed in the neighborhood. And they began to welcome the new people of the neighborhood into the church. And I remember talking with one of them one afternoon. I had been invited to preach there. And over lunch, I was asking her what that journey had been like. And she said, you know, at first, I was really uncomfortable. I didn't like it. We had to learn to sing different kinds of songs. Our worship service changed a lot. and, And I just wasn't sure that I was comfortable with it. But I'm so glad I stayed. Because I've learned so much about God and about all the different ways that God is working in people's lives. And I've learned to love to stand up and sing and shout and clap my hands and say amen when the preacher says something I like. I was so moved by her willingness to learn God in a new way. And to receive a new purpose and a new understanding in her own life that ended up blessing her and blessing that congregation and blessing that whole neighborhood. So the question, the invitation that comes to us in this story, it comes to me at least, is God is inviting us into this covenant with God, a loving, intimate relationship with God with the understanding that God will be who God will be, and we're not in control of where the path leads, and we're not in control of God's name or God's purposes. Are we willing, along with Abraham and Sarah and all of the generations that have gone before us, to be renamed by God? Are we willing to go on the journey with God, who will be who God will be.